0: Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams and I, are recording this week's episode on Thursday, August 25th. Okay, folks, you know the drill by now. Aaron and I are recording new episodes of this podcast on Thursdays and then dropping them on Fridays. Largely because new episodes of She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, drop on Thursday mornings at 3 a.m. East Coast time. A quick question, Aaron, when did you get
1: up to watch this one? Normally I'm up by about 5-ish, so Mm -hmm. yeah, it was about 5.30 by the time I started hitting play. Okay, okay,
0: I was a half hour behind you, I did it at 6, and we're only two episodes in, but I think that this new Marvel Studios limited series for Disney Plus is crushing it. Episode two of She Hulk just took the ball, picked it up right where episode one left it off, and then ran with it. Like, you know, it's, it's this is really ridiculously confident storytelling, which Aaron and I will talk about at length on the second half of today's show. But first, the news and. The news portion of this show is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Before we get started here, I know this is a Marvel News podcast, but as we've talked about on recent episodes of Marvelous Disney... There's a lot going on at Warner's.
1: Oh, I thought we were going to talk about Sandman for the hour.
0: Damn it! <laughs> Though that said, uh, did, what did we think of the animated episode that dropped this past week? Well,
1: I mean, it's either that or you spend a million dollars on CGI cats. Because uh, it is a dream of a thousand yeah. cats. So most of it is just cats. So animation made a whole lot of sense there. And it's basically the, the Audible episode. With animation uh-huh. over it because it's got the audible cast. Oh. Uh, if you'll notice, it's I, I believe James McAvoy is Dream for that episode. Mm-hmm. So, very yeah. true. Very
0: true. What I, I've been delighting is it, it's so many friends who are, are obviously great lovers of the original uh, Neil Gaiman uh, graphic novel. Just literally, I have no notes. It's just wonderful. Yeah, it, you know, I mean, it's like
1: of... the if you wanted to open the comic books and read along with it as it's mm-hmm. happening on the screen. Like, I noticed one image was reversed when he's holding the guy in in the palm of his hand. <laughs> Sandman was on the right side of the screen, but he was on the left on the page. And it's like, whoa, that's a huge departure from the source material there, lads. When
0: Zack Snyder did his Watchmen, there were a number of people who were like, you know... It was too faithful that's it exactly yeah. that it was almost too slavish to the graphic novel where you're just not hearing that about sandman that right. it, you know just it's its own thing but at the same time very respectful to the source material and you know i mean again i the, the very fact that nobody's bitching about the casting nobody's bitching about the production values or anything like that and and again remember you and i work on the internet where to bitches to breathe. Right. And I, I'm just kind of startled that it's been so universally
1: embraced. Yeah, well, Neil Gaiman's very, very great at shutting people down in the most politely British way possible because, you know, there was like a, a few people that would say, oh, this is so woke and blah blah uh-huh. nobody will watch this woke garbage. And Neil Gaiman's like, uh-huh. number one in 90 countries. So... <laughs> I, I don't know what your definition of nobody is, but you might want to peek at a dictionary. Um, you, you know, it's like very simple. It's like, hey, you, you're obligated to, or you're you're okay to have your own opinion, but when uh-huh. facts state you're wrong, it's okay to go back into your troll cave for a little while and rethink your argument.
0: Oh, I, I, I love to hear this. Though, pivoting to the, the main focus of the news segment today, uh, somebody who clearly. Would love to be able to handle his critics, with the the same skill as Neil Gaiman is obviously uh, David Zaslav, the CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery.
1: Oh, you know what? I'm sorry to I, I'm sorry to interrupt news. I just mm-hmm. had a great idea for a sitcom. It's uh, current CEO of Disney is uh, Bob Chapek. Is that? Yeah, mm-hmm. And then yep. uh, Zazlav and their drinking buddies mm-hmm. at the bar, and the whole gag is they go, what'd you try at work today? I told them all the actors are stupid, overpaid crybabies. Oh, did that work? Not at all. Damn it. And and like the whole thing is just all the things that they tried and failed, and it's like the opposite of cheers. It's just called booze. There you go, booze. The drinking, but with the booze. Uh, and go. Okay, go ahead with the news. Okay.
0: Okay, well, again, I'm thinking we need to talk with somebody over at
1: Comcast, NBC, Universal. Yeah. You mean they won't make this at Discovery because it's scripted? There we (laughs) go. There we go. On to Mr. Zazlav.
0: Well, well, here's the thing Mr. Zaslav has been very. Upfront about what he wants to eventually do with Warner Brothers Discovery, especially when it comes to DC movies. I mean, here's a quote from August 4th. What I'm looking to do with the DC Extended Universe at Warner Brothers Discovery over the next 10 years is very similar to what Alan Horn and Bob Iger put together very effectively with Kevin Feige over at Disney. Now, I especially want to point out that Alan Horn name drop in there, Alan Horn had been the chairman of Walt Disney Studios, more recently the chief creative officer over the company, uh, but he left after nearly 10 years on the job in December of this last year. uh, He effectively walked out the door with Bob Iger. It was the notion of, okay, Bob's leaving. He's the guy who brought me in. Was there a Jerry Maguire moment? Who's coming with me? That's an interesting idea because there were a number of folks who did make uh, make their. But exits were they going to the same, same they place, they or,
1: or were they all going to their separate ways to different locations? They were
0: all actually a, a lot of them. It wasn't a question of we're heading down the road and setting up something new. They all went off in different hmm. directions. So
1: that's a lack of faith in leadership. I'd rather be anywhere else than wherever the next chucklehead's going to lead us. Right.
0: Uh... Well, speaking of (laughs) of
1: where people go to,
0: here's the important thing to remember. Alan started at Disney in 2012 and then rode herd on several billion-dollar earners, Infinity War, Endgame, and the like. Now, where this gets interesting is prior to Alan's nearly decade-long run at Disney, he previously spent 12 years at Warner Brothers where he was largely responsible for that studio's hugely successful Harry Potter franchise. But then, just two months before Deathly Hallows Part Two was released at theaters in May of 2011, by the way, it then went on to earn $1.3 billion at the Worldwide Box Office, Allen was forced out at Warner's. And why? Well, as Allen explained to the New York Times back in 2011, the notion of my leaving, as you know, did not come from me. I, I guess they wanted younger and better looking management. Alan had made that classic Hollywood mistake. He had gotten older, not dumber, mind you. Just but Apparently over, uglier, too, because
1: six- they were looking for handsome as well.
0: There we go. But he, he had turned 68 the year that Warners decided, okay, it's time for you to go. And meanwhile, Bob Iger is standing, you know, again, you know, the the Warners and Disney are both in Burbank. And, you know, Bob must have been standing right outside the door. You know, it's like, ooh, ooh, Alan, come here. Uh, No, no, actually, that's unclear. Alan had to wait out the non-compete clause in his contract, Mm -hmm. so he didn't wind up going over to Disney till May of 2012. Anyway, so uh, we jump back to where we are now. Alan is now 78 years old. But... David Zaslov, after the last couple of months of pressed it so bad you can see it from space, he knew he needed a more experienced hand. So this is a guy who's dealing with the aftermath of the Warner Brothers Discovery merger, which comes on the heels of the AT&T deal. And they're trying to mitigate just $3 billion worth of debt that the studio uh, has acquired the deal itself and the the impact of the AT&T deal, they're actually looking at trying to figure out how to write down $55 billion. So this is a guy who's dealing with a Chernobyl-sized mess, at least as far as Wall Street is concerned. Zaslav sees that Alan Horn, who's had experiences Warner, has left Disney, reaches out, and tail end of last month, July of 2022, Alan comes on board at Warner Brothers Discovery as a consultant and just basically turns to to David and says, look, nobody in the industry understands what you're doing. Nobody gets this and you're you're scaring people. So you need to do something that people understand, which is why earlier this week, Warner Brothers Discovery announced that they were signing Matt Reeves, the director of The Batman. Warner signs Reeves to a multi-year first look deal but the fact that just a day or so later, they then hired Mattson Tomlin, who was brought in to fix the script of the, Bat- the Batman when it developed you know, third act problems during production. They hired him to co-write the Batman 2 with Matt Reeves. So we're back in business as usual here at Warner Brothers. We're putting sequels to the studio's highly successful superhero m- movies into development as quickly as possible, just like the folks over at Marvel do for Disney. Now, mind you, again, they are still dealing with that tsunami of bad publicity. In fact, this story dropped in the same window of time when word got out that Batman Cape Crusader, which is this highly anticipated animated series that Bruce Timm, J.J. Abrams and Matt Reeves, they were developing this. For HBO Max. Now, the language at least in town is show is not officially dead, not yet anyway. Batman, Cape Crusader is supposedly being shopped around town, looking for a new home for the project. But again, Horn, who remember has decades of experience of shepherding first the Harry Potter series and then all those interconnected MCU movies, has supposedly been schooling Zaslav when it comes to how incredibly difficult, time consuming, and expensive it is to bring one of these huge tentpole films to the market. Which brings us to the other story of this week. Warner Bros. Discovery just announced that the release date for Aquaman Lost Kingdom just got pushed back from March 17th of next year all the way to December 23rd, 2023.
1: Also during an interview recently, did you see that Jason Momoa said, ah, b****, Uh, Ben Affleck's also in the movie as well. (laughs) <laughs> and he knew that he was going to get in trouble, but he, he just couldn't help himself. And so, hmm, what do you think? There's a lot of people doing this lately with Warners. Well, who are they going to send after Jason Momoa to cor- correct him? You need, like, you know, The Rock and his buddies to be able to go up to Jason Momoa and offer a polite suggestion of, you know, mm. it's like, who's going to tell him to shut up? You don't have anyone big enough on mm. staff. You don't have a big enough staff. To go send after Jason Momoa. There is Marvel PR team. They would just drive. The van would drive by his house and go, we tried, guys. <laughs> we, we did everything we can. We drove by his house. We saw that he was home. And we went, yep, that's as far as we can go with this mission. <laughs> Probably very true. But
0: interesting, you know, the, the the Marvel border parallels here. Because because think about it. The original plan here was that Black Adam would arrive in theaters October 21st of this year. Shazam! Fury of the Gods would arrive in theaters just two months later on December 21st, 2022, and then two and a half months after that, Aquaman of the Lost Kingdom would arrive in theaters on on March 17th of next year. New plan is that Black Adam opens in theaters on October 21st of this year, then some five months later after Black Adam's Shazam! Fury of the Gods opens in theaters on March 17th, 2023. And then, uh, as we just mentioned, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom arrives in theaters on December 23rd, 2023, eight months after Shazam! Fury of the Gods. And supposedly in-house at Warner Discovery this plan is known as the Absence Makes the Heart Grow Fonder plan. Oh, oh. The okay. notion is we put some distance between the DC movies and superhero f- film fans will be like, oh, you know, it's been five months. I haven't seen a DC hero. Okay, after Black Adam, I will go see Shazam. And then it's been eight months. And I had such a good time at Shazam. I will go see the, the Aquaman well, I mean, come on
1: now. let's. Let, if you were to be a, a an executive at Warner's, Right, and mm-hmm. uh, you're having to make a decision on a movie that's been put mm-hmm. in front of you, and mm-hmm. it's like the Joker movie with Joaquin mm-hmm. Phoenix is not the Joker that you would have in, in mm-hmm. which was uh, Jared Leto in, in the uh, mm-hmm. Justice League version, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to mm-hmm. make a decision now. Are we are we sticking to that old thing? Or are we going somewhere new? They mm-hmm. don't have a unified plan. Now, if they were Marvel, Marvel had a one track mind, build the universe. Mm-hmm everything oh, yeah. is going to lend yeah. to this one thing. Whereas mm-hmm. right now, DC is fractured and they're doing offshoots. They've got the Batman with Robert Pattinson, mm-hmm. and they've also got mm-hmm. a Batman who has been Affleck and they've also got Michael Keaton brought back in a flash movie, apparently according to rumors, right? So you've got three Batman in Two. your universe yep. and now mm-hmm. someone brings you a new script and, and they go, uh, it's lady Gaga playing Harley Quinn in the Joker movie and you made a lot of money last time, but it's no way connected to a Black Adam. And Black uh-huh. Adam is apparently, according to The Rock and Rumors, going to be uh-huh. the central bad guy moving forward for everyone, everyone to be an antagonist against, I guess. Uh, I, yeah. I, I have no idea what, what the plan is. I mean, even if they spell it out as point blank as that. Uh, I still don't know if anyone has... And they don't know what's going to make the money. Where do we go? Because we made some money over here. We made some money over there. We can't unify it. What do we do?
0: There was a moment when the plan was to bring out Shazam! A Fury of the Gods on December 16th of this year. And that's the exact same day... That, um, you know, Avatar, The Way of Water was supposed to open in theater. And it's literally like, like, let me put my baby carriage out on the highway. Oh, here comes the
1: 18-wheeler. I wonder what is going to happen. I was purely Uh, thinking of the Loki line of ants meeting a boot. But yeah, same thing. The other thing, look,
0: I get why Warner Brothers would be looking over the hill at what Disney's doing with Marvel. And it's like, I want that. I want that so bad. I mean, think about it. Just in the past calendar year, September 21st, Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings comes out. November of last year, Eternals. December, we get Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, produced by Sony, but still big ties to the MCU. May of this year, we get Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And just last month, Thor Love and Thunder. And that's five giant superhero movies filled with effects. Brought to the marketplace in just ten months' time. That's probably a, what a
1: billion dollars of production budget, without even breaking a sweat. Okay, so is DC ready, or is Warner Brothers ready to throw that chunk of bling out on the on the gambling table today?
0: See, but this is the interesting thing. What Alan Horn is basically whispering in David Zaslav's ear at this point, it's like. You can't do that. Don't even try. You know, the thing of a 10-year plan is it takes 10 years to pull off. I right. mean, like just today, watching episode two of She-Hulk Attorney at Law and the fact that we're sitting here to saying, hey, it's Tim Roth back as Emil Blonsky yep. and the abomination. And it's like... He was last on the canvas in June of 2008, Mm -hmm. 14 years ago. If you're a Warner Brothers Discovery and you're trying to go up against what Marvel Studios is doing, you can't compete with that bench. Never mind about the five theatrical things that came out, the five series that were over on Disney Plus in the same year. Marvel What If, Hawkeye in November, Moon Knight in March, Ms. Marvel just wrapped up in, in July, and here we are, you know, enjoying She-Hulk Attorney at Law. And evidently, Alan Horn, from all his years working on Harry Potter and all his years working at Disney, with the Marvel Universe, it's like, first of all, spread these things out because they're expensive promotion on these things is so hard and you got to hope and pray that you get the right weekend. They caught such a break when it comes to where they just move Shazam! Fury of the Gods to, March 17th, because it turns out it's one month after Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania arrives in theaters on, on February 17th, and then there's six weeks between when Shazam! Fury of the Gods is released and then Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 shows up on, I want to say, May 5th. And evidently, Horn just explained to Zavala, look, Black Adam comes out on October 21st. You have 21 days to make as much money as possible because as soon as Black Panther 2 Wakanda Forever arrives in theaters on November 11th, the steel door descends. This is a film people have been anticipating since we lost Chadwick Boseman.
1: What if uh, what if they went out day in date against uh, a Marvel movies? Like all of them just, you know, like it, Marvel's got five movies, here's our five movies, and they all come out on the exact same date, and we made it like a, a barroom brawl fight <laughs> amongst the two
0: companies. Now, that's the thing. When you have shareholders, and, and remember, that's really what this whole thing is about, what Zaslav is doing right now. This is a guy... Who, in every single direction, is trying to do the thing that will get Wall Street in his corner, like the ninety million dollar write down for Batgirl. And, and speaking of which, the other fascinating story from the past week—that this just came out yesterday—did you, did you see this about the funeral screenings for Batgirl?
1: Yeah, I'm still waiting on my uh, Warner Brothers credentials to get in the mail. I was a key grip on that. <laughs> oh, and, well, there uh, we go. Yeah, I I was holding keys in my hand while it was being made at some point i'm certain of it and okay. um okay. so i'm gonna get a, a plane ticket and i'm gonna go out there with some keys in my hand and and my little uh, fake badge and i'm gonna mm-hmm. say admit one please mm-hmm. and see what happens what aaron is referring to here is evidently for the cast and the crew
0: of bad girl they are having screenings on the lot of the uncompleted film in fact that that's the other thing the the two gentlemen who made Ms. Marvel for, for Disney. Well, don't they have a score
1: for it? Wasn't that the thing that got recorded anyway because it got shut down, and but they already, it already paid did. for it? They, it well, did. slap they, that they... sucker in there and let's get a temp score. I mean, it don't yeah. take but a minute. Yeah, But evidently, uh, the filmmakers,
0: you know, it's like said, look, this is not a, a Zack Snyder situation. This is not a, a Justice League where it's, you know, I mean, we we still had scenes to shoot. We
1: the effects work wasn't done, so it's it's. Well, that was true Zack Snyder's thing because he had to hold, have a whole bunch of money to finish it. Uh, yeah. The difference is, this is going into a vault, and no amount of bitching or crying will get it released because of legal.
0: Ooh, uh, uh, speaking of the vault, that's actually the best case scenario. What
1: are they going to do light it on fire? Actually,
0: oh, like geez. you know, supposedly. In order to get the IRS to actually, okay, we accept that you are never going to make any revenue off of this film you've wrote down. This may be the only option, that they have to physically destroy any prints that possibly exist of footage. Nope,
1: I've already got a loophole. Okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. They can't make any money off of it, so Uh, you could have a free screening.
0: Interesting. You could you give know. it away
1: like you was Robin Hood and let the theaters make 100% profit off of it and Warner Brothers not make a cent and still be in the legal right of that argument. That's that's intriguing, because, but, but evidently they moved at speed. Either way, I'm going to get the klaxon out real quick and sound it to get everybody's mm. attention. Oh my goodness, that is loud. Mm. I really got to rethink that. Anyway, the klaxon for your attention is, uh, people, you've only got a very short amount of time to get that copy out. So uh, before they burn it, you've got the ticking clock here. Get the move on.
0: Well, I wonder if it's even possible at this point. Adil L. Arbi, one of the two Belgian filmmakers behind Batgirl, talked mm-hmm. about, I mean, remember, they were out of the country at a wedding when they found out that this went down. And so they literally hopped onto their Warner Brothers account And the film elements had already been pulled out of their accounts. All
1: right. Well, let me just, I'm just going to (laughs) say, I'm just going to say these few magic words. Raspberry Pi computer is about the size of a stick of gum and a pinhole camera and a cheap hat. And by the way, in no way do we condone piracy. It's bad. You should never, ever do it. But if you were, a good way to go about it would be with a Raspberry Pi computer, which is the size of a stick of gum and a pinhole camera in a hat, if you were to do that. But we don't condone it. Please continue.
0: Okay, and just on a side note, now this might be a very good time, folks, to perhaps reach out to GLK and H uh, to see if you could perhaps arrange legal representation ahead of time. And speaking of which, we will talk uh, at length about that firm when we get to the second half of today's show. I don't know if you saw the story this morning. Aaron. uh, the Hollywood Porter, where, uh, Kate Coro. Uh, she's the sitcom vet, worked on Modern Family for ABC, as well as It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia at FX, who's directed six of the nine episodes of She-Hulk Attorney of Law. And yes, I'm saying season one, because I want there to be a season Wait two. Wait a minute.
1: No, it's not mm-hmm. It's not She-Hulk Attorney of mm-hmm. Law. It's She-Hulk mm-hmm. Attorney for Hire at the moment. They switched the title in episode two. Did they really? Yeah, yeah. it it starts off with She-Hulk attorney at law, and then Mm. when she gets fired from her job, it it switches to She-Hulk attorney for hire. And so now I'm wondering if we're going to have a a new name every episode gag, because that'd be fun. That would be fun.
0: Damn it, i got to start wearing my glasses while I watch these things. Anyway, Kate talked about how she knew She-Hulk, in spite of all the stuff we talked about previously on on this show, how they had some problems early on, settling on just the right tone for this half-hour legal procedural workplace comedy. But she knew from the moment that Mark Ruffalo and Tatiana Mansley got together and said that it was going to work. You can't direct chemistry. And I knew from, uh, that the whole opening episode was going to work because they brought this playfulness out in each other. That there was a magical moment made me, that made me think, this series is going to work. And I mentioned at the, the top of today's episode how confident and muscular Episode 2 of She-Hulk was. Very funny, but oddly enough, didn't kid around. I mean, just moved right into the next phase of the story. What are your thoughts here, Aaron? What, what did you like about uh, Episode 2?
1: Well, first, I'm going to just say the one thing I didn't like about it. It was short. It was so short, it was like uh, almost one of them Groot episodes. Uh-huh. It was by the time I was getting into it, the credits were rolling. I'll tell you, like, I, I had to go back and actually do a little bit of math. You had a recap of episode one up until a minute and 40. Uh-huh. And then you actually had content until 22 minutes and 58 seconds. Okay. And that, that's 21 minutes and 18 seconds of content. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my beef right now is man is it short. I will go back mm-hmm. on my statement of episode one. This does mm-hmm. feel episodic. They are mm-hmm. they are treating this very, very episodically. Mm-hmm. It has a, mm-hmm. a beginning, a middle, and an end in this episode. Mm-hmm. A complete little mini story right there that will lead us into the next little Mini uh-huh. story, and also we've had an Easter egg, uh, you know, a little a little mid-trailer credits button in each of uh-huh. the two episodes so far. Uh-huh. Yep. And so I think that Marvel is like, hey, if we're gonna have fun, you know, that's usually where we place a, an extra joke. Uh-huh. And if this is gonna be a funny show, then let's just let that be a thing where we can put a thing at the end of the show. Wonderful. People have we've trained them for it, and now they're uh-huh. disappointed if we don't do it. As far as the actual episode, I still think it's it's very, very funny. Um, mm-hmm. The Hulk, the World War Hulk was trending on Twitter early this morning. Did that ruin mm-hmm. anything? <laughs> the I did not of notice episode, that, but, no. but
0: I, I have to admit, I admired the skill in which he was moved off canvas.
1: Right, yeah. I mean, at the very end, without really saying a word about it, just yep. on the spaceship and gone, and everyone yep. in the world knows what that's going to lead to. Well, mm-hmm. they hope they know what that's going to lead to, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the, I think I think all of it has, has just been really, really fun. I just wish that there was a little bit more of it. But if,
0: what you've noticed holds. If... We have just really 21 minutes of new material out of a 31 minute long show. We have nine episodes of this coming. All right. So if I work the math at the end of the first season, we will have 189 minutes worth of She-Hulk goodness. That's over three hours.
1: That's one Infinity War, buster.
0: You want, yeah, well, that's <laughs> it exactly. This is why, I, actually, I, Nancy I have a friend, Angela Ragno, who flat out refuses when when, when a streaming service does this. It's like... Yeah, I'll wait till all of the episodes are there, and then I'll watch it. Because it, right. this sort of thing, getting it parceled out to me like a food pellet. Mm-hmm. No, I want the whole meal. I want the banquet all at once, so I'll wait.
1: I'll wait the nine weeks. Well, but, no, it's an issue you know. of if we're going to be looking at the possibility of a 16 or 18 episodes of Daredevil Reborn, and if those happen to be closer to 45 minutes to an hour long, Mm-hmm. You know, that is that is a huge, massive, wonderful, glorious pile of Daredevil. Mm-hmm. But then you look over at She-Hulk and you're like, yeah, we only got three hours here, but we got nine hours of Daredevil. Mm-hmm. And I don't want it to be lopsided to a, a new character. I mean, I know it's they're testing the waters. This is the first time out, so they have to be a little bit on the tentative side. Yeah, remember,
0: I mean, this is the, their first sitcom. It's a legal procedure. It's also a workplace comedy, which I think, as we mentioned the DC show that they did with Vanessa Hudgens that didn't fly. You know, so mm-hmm. it's the notion of, okay, this didn't work just recently, so we have to approach this with, with some caution. It's not just great production values, good writing. The casting has been so much fun. I mm-hmm. mean, Mark Lynn Baker coming in as is, is Jennifer's dad. Is that's Cousin Larry from uh, uh, Perfect Strangers? Okay. Yeah, okay. Perfect Strangers, yes. But Mark Lynn Baker can do the comedy easily but what i i loved was the dad and he'd come i need you to help me with something in the garage and him being an actual dad is like everything okay is it you know and then you know kept asking but is is everything okay and that wonderful scene there with Mansley and you know him, him trying to comfort his daughter. It's like, look, it, you're not the first Hulk in the family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and more to the point, you didn't destroy a city. I mean, so, so there's that. You know, I mean, just it was it was a great scene, well played. On the other hand, Stephen Coulter as Holden Holloway, Jennifer's new boss. Ooh, we have our antihero. I think. Correct.
1: Well, what about uh, the Titania? Is that is that Mm -hmm. the? Because didn't think we make a big deal that Mm -hmm. uh, she was supposed to be the big bad for the season. We've only got to see her get a table thrown at her once in episode one. That can't surely cannot be her only appearance.
0: Well, I did. Did you catch the whole backstory there? That she's a superpowered social influencer who was was upset because of something that was happening just across the way in traffic court. Yeah, I mean,
1: got you got to have
0: more of that, right? Oh no, definitely, definitely. But the boss, just from the way he recruited her mm-hmm. and meeting her in the lobby, and oh, by the way, we're going to need you to be She Hulk.
1: By the way, she is a horrible negotiator on a new I job. Sh- Like, doesn't ask how much I'm going to be making or anything Uh like that. No health, dental benefits, anything, except I get to pick my own paralegal, hooray.
0: I get what you're saying, but also remember the scene with with Jennifer and and Holden in his office. When here's your first case, and right. you you need to go represent Emil Blonsky, who's, who's looking to be let out of jail, and then I, was, I can't do it. He, he tried to kill my cousin. It's a conflict of interest, and it's like eh, doesn't matter. Right? You're going to work here at this L.A. based law firm, and we do what we do. We we deal with bad people, mm-hmm. you know, and help them get out. So, I love how they've set up this world. And you and I have talked at length about well, how is this actually going to work? This whole Kevin Feige stories start in movies and then go to the shows and then go back to the movies and. What did you think would, you know, the tag of the show, you know, Holden, you know, she says, I'll take the case. And it's a slam dunk. And it's like, you might want to turn on the television. And here's the footage that's leaked from the cage match between Wong and uh, the abomination that we saw in Shang-Chi last August. Right. I love that what Kevin talked about in theory is now really happening, that these rich worlds are bleeding over, and the stories that have been established in one place are continuing right on here in uh hulk Attorney at Law.
1: You know, one thing that I think makes this more uh, possible for them to do and a, a bit easier to do is back in the olden day of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC, you had a very, very strict schedule of it started at whatever point through the fall and then, you know, relaunched the second half of the season in spring or whatever. Uh-huh and you had the these little very specific gaps and you know you know when your movies are coming out but when you're making stuff you know years ahead of time it's really mm-hmm. hard to make sure those things are going to line up perfectly whereas right now She-Hulk is a singular thing that could land anywhere on the calendar and nobody would know the difference between February and October if it was deemed correct story-wise to put it there now then they will and i think that that's one of the benefits right now of these singular series at the moment. Yeah, we might get a Moon Knight too, but at the moment it's singular because uh, it's only its first season and it has the ability to land anywhere without influencing anything around it and can be its own thing and connect to any other thing in any way that it chooses to. So they've got that flexibility just because they're not stuck to... It has to connect to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on April 12th, 2024 because that's a hell of a bullseye. I have to say that when I was
0: watching the scene where Jennifer goes to the Supermax and is interviewing Emil in his cell. And he mentions that my seven friends who I've met through the prison pen pal system and how, you know, we're looking to relaunch our lives on a large piece of land... T- tell me, tell me your ears, you know, because you've talked about Thunderbolts, mm-hmm. which, which again, they've announced. No, 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 c-
1: that's not a Thunderbolts gag that he's referencing there. Are he you is, sure? Yes. He, Emil is, he's assembling himself a harem. Mm. He's got seven different wives, and he's going to do the uh, somewhere at a little piece of land where marrying many people is not a crime. And that's what he's going to do. And he's going to have a little tent, and he's going to raise some goats in a field far off by the mountains somewhere, and nobody will ever find him.
0: I'm thinking at the end of phase five of the MCU, which, by the way, uh, we have a date on July 26, 2024, that perhaps it will be another end to that story. Uh, but I, I, again, folks, we have to wait 23 months before we find out.
1: All right, for all of us marvelous Disney listeners, this is now the time to place your bets. Either <laughs> You go with Aaron, who believes that Emil has himself a harem and a herd of goats in the mountains, or Jim's crazy wackadoo idea that he's talking about the thunderbolts.
0: Before we get ourselves in trouble, I think it's, it's time to close well, shop. No, wait, got to talk way. about, we got
1: to drop the Easter eggs real quick.
0: Oh, yes, 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 yes. My apologies.
1: Yeah. Um, well, first off, I just want to say that if, if you, I were to ever join a workplace, I would love it. If a new colleague came up to me with a map of the best bathroom to poop in, I thought that was the funniest gag of the show. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I wish I wish I would have had someone tell me the, the best place to poop on day one. For a workplace comedy to go there,
0: uh, it felt right, which, again, is probably the whole point of the best bathroom to poop in. Anyway, that
1: wasn't actually an Easter egg. That was just uh, a lovely little gag. uh, Lovely (laughs) that you brought her up. (laughs) The Easter egg at uh, 5 minutes and 58 seconds, she's on a laptop looking for a new place to, to get a job at. And uh, Mm -hmm. one that I thought was odd that was um, an ad in the upper right corner for Iron Man 3s, which apparently are shoes kind of like Air Jordans or something. Uh, I thought that was kind of a clever way to pay homage to Tony Stark by the material capitalistic world of making sneakers in his name. Um, But Mm -hmm. underneath that were two headlines Mm -hmm. that I wish you would have clicked the link on because Mm -hmm. the first headline that she should have clicked on said, Man Fights with Metal Claws in Bar Brawl. Hmm. I wonder. I wonder who they're talking about, Jim. Oh dear. Okay. I could never imagine. I wish she would have clicked on the link to see some little Canadian dude in a yellow and black spandex. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, I want to truly believe Hmm. that that little nugget will never get paid off in any way, shape, or form in any meaningful way. I don't Mm -hmm. expect the next Wolverine movie to start with him getting into a fight in a bar with Metal Claws and a reporter going, hey, I'm going to write a story about this and send it in to the New York Post, see what happens. I think they're just dropping in Easter eggs. But if they're allowed to do that, then somewhere, Kevin Feige's given his blessing that mutants exist out there some way, somehow we just don't know about it yet. And we've obviously had the Miss Marvel Mm-hmm. M- mutation connection there, so I really think that that Feige has said, "Let there be mutants."
0: Okay, I love the way you're thinking here, and more. Of the again, I'm just I'm kicking myself that I, I
1: missed that and the earlier gag you mentioned. Now, you. the more important mm. thing that is directly underneath that mm. headline that I wish you would have clicked on this as well, so we could have gotten a big old picture of it, because mm. uh, you know headlines are great with big, huge, giant pictures. But the headline mm. says. Why there is a giant statue of a man sticking out of the ocean. Oh, finally. Yes. Finally. Yes. Right. Someone you out know. there is listening to the fans going, hey, why is nobody acknowledging this? Oh, okay, I I can sleep
0: easier now. I mean, right. it, again, the the Eternals came out in November and again, it, it, this has bugged me. Yep. So I love that it's acknowledged even in, in passing, even in a background gag.
1: So. Yeah, yeah. At least okay. it's getting out there. You don't have to ag- actually have someone chatting about it for five minutes on screen and you know, same thing with my complaint about Jennifer not being a very good negotiator. I really don't mm. need her to sit down and have a five-minute negotiation on a contract. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's just the idea of that's all she asked for was a paralegal and no other questions? Jeez, okay. You should have at least cut to, like, ten minutes later after, you know, they're both sweating. Okay, fine, you get it. Oh, thank you. Handshake, you know, something.
0: Well, I mean, face it. At least when it comes to being a She-Hulk and, and Jennifer Walters, she is learning as she's going. And there was mm. that lovely little bit at the front of the show where her boss, the district attorney, it's like, can you, can you go back to being Jennifer? And, you know, she's been knocking back drinks and, and that lovely thing of just sort of the throwaway line of, oh, whoa, different metabolism.
1: That is a very funny gag to, to throw in there. That was fun. That was fun. All righty. Okay, Aaron, let,
0: let's bring this week's episode to a close. So uh, where can folks find you on social
1: media? Well, first you go to Twitter, then you tap in the at AzaProd, A-Z-A-P-R-O-D, And I just want everyone to know I have completely given up on that whole given my 110% thing. Um. I am burned out. I've switched to a milk scale. I now give 4% and people go, whoa, 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 can you cut it back to 2%? And then that's (laughs) where we're all okay. Oh. So uh, just can, if if life is too demanding for you, switch to the <laughs> milk scale. That's what Aaron would do. <laughs> wow. Dairy related jokes, okay? If go. you're lactose intolerant, spit the joke out.
0: There we go. All right. Uh, well, social media here. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media, and over on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. Also, want to point out that there's a couple of other podcasts here at the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. We have Disney Dish, which I do with Lentesta. We also have uh, Fine Tuning that I do with Drew Taylor. We have also Looking at Lucasfilm that I do with Brian Gaughan. Uh If you could do Aaron and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and recommend Marvelous Disney, that would be very helpful. Uh, likewise, if you really, really, really like what you heard here today, if you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be helpful too. That will do it for this week. So thanks for listening, folks, and we'll be back soon.